0: Hi, welcome to Cowgirl Artists of America's podcast, a podcast dedicated to Cowgirl Artists. I'm your host, Megan Wimberly. Today we're talking to Alice Lease. Alice is a Western artist based in Texas. She has been the recipient of multiple national park residencies and is a signature member of Cowgirl Artists of America and the American Plains Artists, among others. Alice lives and works on the YT Ranch in Winkler County, Texas. Hey Alice, can you hear me? Yay, success.
1: <laughs> what do you know? How See are bad. you, Alice? <laughs>
0: I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. That piece in the back is so cool. Thank you. Do you know what you're going to call it? If I can get it. Yeah, look okay. Space Cows. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> One of the reasons I really like that is because I always find myself looking through the branches and it reminds me of stained glass windows and I feel like that painting shows that
1: oh yeah it's showing what's going on between Uh and it's showing it's inspired by the james webb telescope pictures oh that's so cool and i've actually done a series of these that's the first one so pretty and that was the illustration for a book called tumbleweeds and, and you're looking up through a tumbleweed
0: oh that's cool alice thank you so much for being on the podcast
1: Oh yeah, good to be here, Megan. It's good to see you. Yeah, I'm uh, glad we
0: finally are getting to talk because I remember reaching out to you when I very first started CGA about talking about your panhandle fire painting and then it just never got around to doing it. So I'm glad to have you here now.
1: Yeah, it's good to talk to you now. It's been a while since that one, since I painted that one. That was in 2020.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: it, it was seven, it was six feet by 30 feet.
0: That and I could, so
1: cool. it can only be six foot tall because it's my doors are like seven. So <laughs> it had awesome. to fit out the door.
0: <laughs> and that's in a permanent collection at a museum, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, it's over in Odessa at the Ellen Noel Art Museum. It, that's a real nice museum. And they, they're building a new wing and that's going to be in the new wing. So,
0: that is so yeah. awesome. I love that. Congratulations. That's a big deal.
1: Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm so happy. It'll be there and people will be able to see it. It was a depressing thought to think that if that, if no one, if it doesn't go to a home, it'll be rolled up and stored. And I I just didn't want that for it. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. I'm real happy.
0: Yeah. It needs to be seen. Your style is so distinctive and I'd really love to walk through the history of your art making and art career when did you get started in art making?
1: I was a little kid my parents we lived on the ranch and they always tried to get us involved in a lot of things like, like piano lessons and stuff and 4-H of course and one of the things they did was give us art lessons and there was a little lady in Kermit, Texas and my brothers and I and a couple of of kids we kept who were from the navajo children's home in gallup new mexico they went with us and we all went to art lessons at the same time and the poor lady i feel sorry for her because there were six of us she taught us so much and the kids from the children's home they could draw really well and uh they i just really appreciated what they could do and tell stories with their art after that my parents could see i was interested so they kept on art lessons here and there and then art in high school and then was trying to decide what to do at college and um, pre vet I wanted to do that, but art won out. And I have a degree in art from Abilene Christian, a little school in Abilene, Texas. It great art degree that we had some great professors. And then later I worked on my master's at Sol Ross in Alpine, Texas. And Um, I've always tried to do as much painting and art making as I could, raised a family in there, and just now in the past 10 years or so getting back at it full-time and it's just been great.
0: Yeah, that's awesome that it's, I love that you had so many opportunities to learn art because sometimes in more rural areas that can be really hard to have access to. Yeah,
1: it was a commitment on my parents' part. We lived about 20 miles from the nearest town and about 50 miles from the nearest big town. Mom was a taxi driver, more or less, (laughs) 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 but they put lots of miles on the car.
0: Yeah. And so the style you have now, is that something that was, has always been a little bit of part of you or is that something you developed throughout your process of creating?
1: I couldn't tell you where that style came from. It's just, I can't get away from, I can't not do it. I don't know how to stop that style. And I can pick out my work from across a room and I don't really know exactly what it is, but I think it has something to do with the movement. Movement's always been real important in my paintings. I try to show the landscape's always moving. There's always some wind. There's always stuff floating around. The grass is always moving. The wildlife's moving. The clouds are moving. So that was always really important. And then uh, looking at other artists, how they portrayed the West and the rural lifestyle, there's been some great influences. you know, Peter Hurd, he, his, just his stark New Mexico landscapes were such an influence. And then Alexander Hogue, he was really an influence. And then for the movement, Thomas Hart Benton, was, his lyrical moving shapes, I just love those. And the Ellen Noel is going to have a show opening, I believe next week, Thomas Hart Benton. So I'm Thank excited you. to go see that.
0: Yeah. It's been an interesting theme this week because we've been doing some interviews with artists that are in Wildflowers and two of them, Peggy, Judy, and I can't remember who the other artist was that I was talking to, but they were just talking about how they can't get away from their style. It just is. And it comes out. And I think that's so cool. I think great for newer artists to hear because often, and Peggy says she resisted her style for a long time. It was like she was trying to get away from it. And when we embrace that, that's a really cool thing. And I had that thought similar on my walk the other day, and I've been doing these thoughts while walking posts and I have one coming out. So it's it's just funny to me how sometimes a theme will just keep showing up in your life. It's like
1: you can't not do it. I think if you set out to develop a style, that's when you might go off the rails. I think if you're just making art and you're paying attention to all the things it takes to make great art and looking at art, looking at good painters, all that information is going through you and coming out at the end of your brush. It's going to reflect you. It's going to re you're going to develop a style whether you want to or not.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. as you're painting, it just takes that time to put it in, put in on it. You have yeah. to actually put in the time to paint and every time or whatever you're making, painting, drawing, whatever. And every time yeah. you put in that time or every time you go to a museum or talk to another artist and we're just like sponges. And like you're oh, saying, yeah. we're taking yeah. all that in for sure. Every,
1: uh- everything you look at is going to influence you. So be careful what you look at. <laughs> Always look at really great art. And you're right. It takes time. I've been painting for thirty-eight, nine years, and I and still, I don't know anything. I, there's so much more to learn. And I don't. I think if you painted three or four lifetimes, you would never. You you would never feel like you'd learned enough.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's so many things in life like that. We growing up. We always, that was something that was really put into us with horses. You never know enough about horses. There's always more to learn about them. And if you think you got them figured out, okay. then you're in trouble.
1: <laughs> then, then you, you sure don't. Yeah. You always A horse will teach you more than anything else will.
0: <laughs> yeah. You can
1: have all the degrees in the world, but start training a horse. Yeah, that you'll learn a
0: lot for sure. About yourself.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, Absolutely. So something that I wanted to talk to you about, because we're having, we do these monthly themes and for March, our theme is improving your application. And so we're going to have a panel discussion on March 2nd, which is going to be really cool that members can join in. But I thought it would be great to talk to you on the pod because you've done several national park residencies. And so how did you find out about those?
1: Oh, let's see. So the first one I did was in 2018, and it was at Fort Union National Monument in New Mexico. And I think I found out about them through the internet. I think I was on like one of the social media pages and saw something from the national parks. And if you start looking, if you get on nps.gov and start looking at the national parks, I think there's about 59 national parks in the U.S., Almost every one of them has an art residency. And the ones I've been doing are through the National Parks Arts Foundation. And they're very reputable. I really enjoy the people that run it. And so far, I've done four of those. And it's an application process. And there can be hundreds or thousands of people applying to these residencies. And the national parks that... NPAF takes all, every artistic discipline, but like I was noticing today they took a comedian. The musicians, writers, sculptors, 2D artists, ceramicists, just every artistic discipline, and so you'll be applying with, you. there might be a poet or several other sculptors or whatever applying with you.
0: And something I think that's worth noting is that, like you said, there's certain organizations that put them on, and so Just because it's a national park that has a residency doesn't mean it's the same organization. Sometimes it can be different organizations. And
1: find one that you think will be a good fit for you. Some of them provide lodging. Some don't. Some provide a stipend. Some don't. You'll get access to the park. Some provide some meals and stuff and transportation, but some don't. So find one that you like and apply there. And with the National Parks Arts Foundation, they require work samples, resume, proposal that outlines what you're going to do in the park, and some biography. And it's an online application portal, so I think it's through submittable.com.
0: Yeah, how many how many park residencies have you done?
1: I've done four. Fort Union National Monument, which I really enjoyed. That was the first one. And then... I've been to Hawaii Volcanoes National Park twice, so two residencies. And then we did, my husband and I did a really fascinating one, Dry Tortugas National Park, which is a park off the coast of Florida. About you, you go to Key West, and then you get on a ferry and go about 80 miles further west. and You come to Fort Jefferson, and then you get on a smaller boat, and you go about three more miles, and you come to Loggerhead Key. And that's where we were all by ourselves for a month. And it's about a 50-acre island with a lighthouse and a caretaker's cottage. And we had our own desalination plant, our own solar array. We made electricity and water. And so we it was completely off-grid. No, no cell phone, no internet, and we loved it.
0: That's so wild. Is your husband an artist too?
1: No, he went as support personnel. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I could see that being so, good when you're so isolated. That could have been very lonely.
1: Oh, it could have been. And you could have sprung a leak in the water facility and not had any water. I think it. they actually require two people to apply for that one because it is a remote, very remote. We had to get insurance. So if they had to fly us off the island, then we would be covered. We had to take some FEMA hurricane training and different things and safety you always have to be aware always be aware of your surroundings and and stay safe. But after we left there there was a hurricane that hit that that was a direct hit on Loggerhead Key and there's a lighthouse that's been there since 18 the mid 1800s and we were sure hoping it didn't the lighthouse it tore up a little bit up at the top but the lighthouse was still standing but I think it was Hurricane Ian but you couldn't have drawn a straighter line it just went right straight across the eye was right across the middle of loggerhead key
0: oh my goodness wild
1: that's yeah that's the one that went on up and hit Florida
0: was there a way of if there was an emergency a way of communicating with the park did you have some sort of communication device yeah
1: there there was a radio and it, most of the time it worked so yeah. yeah we did have some sort of communication and they would send a boat by every now and then so
0: yeah that, that is was so good. cool
1: <laughs> but hawaii volcanoes is was is really fun they're at the national park they have a, a residence that's about 30 miles from the park so you do spend, if you go to that residency, you'll spend a little time driving, but the the lodging is really nice. You can see the ocean, and the weather's perfect, and that's a really interesting So it is so green there, and it rains almost every day. Wow. It was a lot different from where, it is, where we live now. How uh, did
0: being in those spaces influence your work d- during those times?
1: So at Fort Union, I wrote a Almost the same proposal every time, but I would state how many. I would go work plain air, so get out every day and paint, either in oils or in working my sketchbook. And, you know, here's a little sketch from Fort Union, but as far as <clears throat> affecting my working style, I had to do a lot of stuff plain air. Being able to come back in the studio and paint from the sketches or the the small paintings that i did that kind of forces you to when you're out there really try to capture what you're wanting to say about that landscape because you might not get another chance to go back and your notes your photographs your writings any sound recordings you made that's gonna be what you take back in the studio and make larger works from. So at Fort Union, I did about uh, 30 paintings, came back with about 30 paintings and they were all small, 11 by 14 or nine by 12s and then was able to get in the studio and make some larger paintings from those, and one of those went back to Fort Union. Some artist residencies in the National Parks Arts Foundation requires you to donate a work back to the park within a year of the end of your residency. That That's something that you need to consider when you're applying for the residencies, but I sent a pretty large painting back, a 3 foot by five foot back to Fort Union, and they have it in the visitor center there at the monument.
0: That's so awesome. So have you gotten a residency every time you've applied for one?
1: Oh, no. I could pull up my rejection page and show you. The rejections far outweigh the acceptance, and I'm sure that every artist will tell you this, that you have to apply a lot before anything ever happens. It's like you have to paint a lot before you ever get a few that are good. Yeah. I, and I wouldn't let, and it never did discourage me. I was just like, okay, I'll just apply again. And of course it's a commitment. It's a time commitment and it's a, there's always a fee applying. And so it is, and you want to make that application the very best you can. So I would As soon as I got one accepted, I kind of looked at that application and saw the good things in it, and then just kept trying to improve on it. And it started working for me. Yeah, I've been real fortunate, I believe.
0: Yeah. So at first, when you were applying and not getting in, did you each time, did you go back and look Mm -hmm. over that application and make changes? How did you approach that?
1: Yeah, I read back through and then looked at the people who did actually get the residency and and read up on them. And uh, you can't see their applications, but you, you can kind of, every, almost every residency requires an artist talk or interview. And so I would listen to those and they would talk about their applications sometimes and was able to get some good tips that way. Yeah, And then if you're applying, you also have to consider that most of the residencies are a month long. And so you need to budget that time and you can't plan anything else in that time because that's when you're going to be there. And the National Parks residencies, there's always something going on. Sometimes it'll be the weather. Sometimes they've got somebody staying in your housing that needs to stay another month, a researcher or something. So you have to be flexible also. We were supposed to go to Dry Tortugas in 2021, in September, 2021, and and uh, hurricanes kept us from going. And then uh, we were supposed to go in February and rats kept us from going because they were doing an eradication program on the island. And thank goodness it worked. When- <laughs> We didn't see a rat when we were there. We had to delay that a month, and we went up March 2020.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I could see that being really hard for a lot of people if the schedule itself changed. And I live in Yosemite, and my partner works for the park. And so, seeing kind of the ins and outs, and it is—it's the park is a these parks are—it's a different game. It's there's all kinds of stuff that can happen, and you just never—you never know what's going to be going on. You can't control the weather. You can't control nature and so being flexible. Right. With that.
1: Yeah definitely.
0: Are there any things specific things that you've learned about the application process or things that you've specifically changed or improved through the years?
1: I think the first couple of, of applications I tried to write up might have been too long and one of the things one of the comments that did get back to me from the people reviewing In the applications was uh, they liked that my application was clear and succinct. I think give them what they ask for and I wouldn't do, I wouldn't try to write a book that they have to try to read because they're, if they're looking at a thousand applicants, they're not going to want, or even if they're looking at 200, they don't want to read a dissertation. Make it clear, simple. What you're going to do, how you're going to do it, how you're going to interact with the public, uh, what you're willing to do for the park, what's your program going to look like that you're going to give, and how are you going to work every day. I think just really simple like that is best. And then the images, trying to send images that were more fitting if you're a landscape painter and you're going to go to a park where you're going to paint the landscape you've got it made you've got landscape paintings you can show them but if you're a a portraitist then i don't know exactly how that would work but you would have to consider that when you were applying that you could do portraits but if there's no one there to paint i mean you're going to be painting yourself (laughs) it makes sense
0: (laughs) yeah for sure I think it's (laughs) a really interesting point that you bring up is the people looking at the application because a lot of times artists are only coming from the artist's side but anybody who's been involved in a show or anything like that they know that the applications can get really like to be a lot and so Uh, it, it becomes one of those things where You know, when you've got all 200 or however many applications you're looking through, little mistakes can make a big difference. And like a really good eye-catching application that just brings it home can be, can make a huge, the, both of those things can make such a huge difference and it makes them stand out so much from each other.
1: Use your spell check. Don't misspell words. I have done that. I have misspelled words and it's because I got in a hurry and didn't proofread. Little things like that they may not say it, but the people reading it, it'll sink in.
0: Sure. Yeah. Because you're trying to make a really, it's like a job interview, really. You're trying to stand out above everybody else. And especially for these residencies where it's one or two or maybe four people getting in, it's, they're very competitive. And with the National Parks, a lot of people can be applying for them.
1: And don't, try to be something you're not be authentic if you're just starting out tell them you're just starting out if you're a seasoned painter tell them that I think that's that just be honest is a big part of that
0: yeah for sure have there been any big takeaways for you either from the application process or from these residencies that have really just made a big impact on you personally or as an artist
1: yeah there sure have I just can't believe the, first of all, the landscape we have here in America and the structure we have set up to protect it. Parks are created by Congress, national monuments are are designated by presidents, and then there's historic sites and protected sites. And just our government realizing early on, because of the, the painters that went west and sent back paintings, Thomas Moran went the Yellowstone and sent back and painted and sent back paintings to Washington and Congress saw them and they, nobody knew this was like in the mid eight or eighteen seventies. Nobody knew what was out there and no images had come back. So when they got to see the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, they thought, "Wow, we didn't know this was out there. We really ought to protect this." And so they created Yellowstone National Park and. It's just how beautiful these national parks are. Um, I want to visit every national park in in the US. I think there's almost 400 national parks, national monuments and historic sites. It would be a really neat, uh, long road trip to visit all of them. (laughs) (laughs) but there's been a few people who have another thing is just the people the park rangers the park staff the national park service that was set up to protect and preserve our natural areas those people they're very committed a lot of them came out of the military uh, very disciplined and they care about your national parks and so when you're visiting these places, always be respectful of the staff. They're there to help you have the best time you can have. It's a really good idea to stop in at the visitor center, visit with the rangers. They'll they show you the maps. Here's how to go if you have this, where to go if you have this much time, and here's where to go if you have a week. And they can really add to your experience. Yeah, just their commitment, all the support staff for the national parks. It's amazing. And I feel like our lands are in really good hands with them
0: yeah it's pretty it is really incredible and just to piggyback off what you're saying because something that's become really a big passion of mine since living in a national park because you get to see it in a different way and you start seeing visitors Mm -hmm. in a different way and like you but a lot of times you come into these places and you don't know and you don't know what you don't know. But like, I love that you're encouraging yeah. people to go to the visitors center and to talk to rangers because oh there's so God. much, oh a lot of things like following the signage because that so many of the spaces in the national parks are really delicate and can be damaged oh yeah. really easily. There's actually a documentary on Disney. That's about, it talks about the bears. And when we first moved here, national geographics was actually out here filming the bears and every bear that is in that documentary on national geographics had to be euthanized because of human interaction. And so people come into these spaces, not realizing that we can have such a huge impact on the landscape and the wildlife. And so coming in and being knowledgeable or talking with the visitor center. And the other thing is that these places are really wild. And so a lot of times people come in and they think it's like, a park like Disneyland, and it's not. The waterfalls can kill you. Oh,
1: yeah. Um,
0: Oh, yeah. That's totally (laughs) off topic, but it's just, you know, when you've been in a space like that, you almost have to tell people when you have that opportunity because really easy changes to your actions can have a huge impact on your experience and on the longevity of the park itself
1: exactly you have to respect mother nature or she will teach you a lesson that's for sure
0: <laughs> that is true i don't know if you listen to the podcast mountain and prairie yeah yeah it's yeah. a really great podcast and one of the things that he's always um always saying is that he loves about nature is that you get immediate feedback if you get yeah. a bad choice you're gonna get immediate <laughs> feedback on that bad yeah.
1: choice. Yeah, that was the wrong thing to do
0: there. (laughs) I was going to ask you, I had a couple more questions. I was going to ask you about rejection, but you said that never really affected you. But are there any pointers that you would give an artist if they are really affected negatively by rejections?
1: Oh, I I guess it's kind of getting just, if you get pitched off, get back on that horse, don't quit just because of a rejection if you're really an artist you're putting your heart and soul out there for, for people to criticize and you have to have a thick skin otherwise you're not going to make it very far as an artist Art, art's a means of communication and whatever you're trying to communicate there people are going to like it or they are not going to like it e- either way you got to be able to take it just have some grit just keep at it
0: grit is first of all one of the big features of the cowgirl spirit and then oh yeah it's got to have it whenever you're an artist because yeah you are gonna if you're serious about it you're getting rejections there's no doubt about it and you're in good company because it's all happening to all of us so. it
1: happens to every artist so you don't think you're don't think you're special when you get rejected there's a lot of us out there
0: <laughs> thank you so much Alice thank you Megan I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Alice Leese and feel more confident about applying and even getting rejections. While we're talking about applying for art shows and residencies, don't forget that you can apply to join the Cowgirl Artists of America in the heart of the Fort Worth Stockyards for the cowgirl gathering art show. This is a huge event. The art show is so much fun and it's just a great community of people. If you want more information, go to cowgirlartistofamerica.org, click on call for art tab, and then the cowgirl gathering show. We hope to see you there.